Welcome to the Nach Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we are discussing the 10th parak of Sefer Yehoshua, which continues the narrative from the 9th parak. There, we were told that the Bnei Yisrael, under false pretense, forge a peace treaty with the people of the city of Givon. In the 10th parak, we learn that the kings of central and southern Canaan are, understandably, furious at the Givonim for this treaty. The other city-states band together to fight Israel, and so the Givonim, by making a peace treaty with Israel, betrayed the other residents of Canaan and represented a significant blow to the strength of their coalition. It also, potentially, set a precedent for, the, for other cities in Canaan to follow suit and to sue for peace with Israel. And so the five kings wage a war against the Givonim to punish them and implicitly warn others from following their lead. The Givonim send word to Yehoshua, and they plead for his aid, which they desperately need. It's worth pausing this summary here to reflect on Yehoshua's options now. Remember, the Givonim had duped the Bnei Yisrael into making this treaty, and they stood now as a blemish on Yehoshua's record, as their continued existence would forever be a barrier to the complete conquest of the land of Canaan, which was the command that Hashem gave the Jewish people. Last parak, Yehoshua already acted honorably by deciding to recognize and honor the treaty that they made with the Givonim, and not to just do war, go to battle with the Givonim, and wipe them out. That already was an honorable thing for Yehoshua to do. But now, to come to their aid, to do battle for the Givonim, is an entirely different matter. Yehoshua could have very reasonably said no. He could have said, let the five kings deal with the Givonim, and that will resolve the whole matter of the Givonim. There'll no longer be this blemish, this stain on Yehoshua's record, and this continued uh, sore spot, thorn in the side of the Jewish people. Let the five kings take care of them. Plus, this would have been a costly war for the five kings. As the uh, Sefer tells us, the Givonim were a very strong people. And so, this war would have served two functions, destroyed the Givonim, and it would have weakened the five kings who were doing battle with them. That would have been a win-win for Bnei Yisrael. Yehoshua could have easily wiped his hands of this whole, uh, the whole narrative, the whole uh, outcome of last Perek, and things would have been good for Bnei Yisrael. But instead, Yehoshua immediately springs into action with the entire Bnei Yisrael, the entire army. In a display of true nobility and integrity. We made a vow to the Givonim, even though it was under suboptimal conditions and the outcome was not great for us, we still honored it. Yehoshua still honored it. It's only after Yehoshua and the nation spring into action and start heading over to Givon to, to offer assistance that Hashem appears to Yehoshua and tells him that he will be with Yehoshua and the Bnei Yisrael and that they will succeed in this battle. So Yehoshua here really emerges as having been decisive and having acted with tremendous, tremendous integrity. And then Hashem says, I'm with you. So this is, I think, a shining moment for Yehoshua. And it's something that we should really marvel at and, and take note of, that the incredible integrity. My word is my bond. I made an oath in the name of Hashem, and I'm going to honor it. Even if the easiest and perhaps even most ideal road forward would have been just to let this battle play itself out between Givon and the five kings.
Continuing now in the narrative, the Bnei Israel, with divine assistance, of course, are hugely successful in trouncing the armies of the five kings. They capture the, and kill the five kings, and in quick succession capture a number of cities in southern, in southern Canaan. If you are receiving this podcast via email or WhatsApp, I've included a map from the Dot Mikra Bible Atlas, which is a fantastic resource. I recommend uh, everyone to, to buy it, but uh, it the, this particular map will uh, outlines for you this military campaign, the, the military campaign of the Bnei Israel in uh, southern uh, southern Kinaan, and um, it just makes the whole narrative much clearer and gives it a dimension that you you totally miss if you're just reading a bunch of names in succession. So I really recommend you're taking a look at it, especially you know next to the, the Perek, so you get a sense for you can visualize how this war and how this military campaign plays out. In the course of this whirlwind um, battle or series of battles, Yoshua utters the famous words, Shemesh begivon dom v'yareach be'emek ayalon. He commands the sun to stand still in Givon and the moon to stand still in the Ayalon Valley. And of course, this reflects his, desi- his desire to extend the day because the Bnei Israel are, are having such success. And once the night falls, uh, it'll enable enemies to slip away and Yehoshua wants the day to last for as long as possible, and, and the simple shot and the way the rabbis read this, um, and virtually every, not every, but virtually every one of the Mepharshim, read this as uh, a miracle that takes place, that in fact the sun does stand still and the day is longer than its usual, uh, its usual course, enabling the Bnei Israel to have uh, more and more success uh, in this campaign. But aside from just helping the Bnei Israel continue to ride the momentum of the day, there's another layer to this miracle, which I'd like to highlight for you. The people of Kena'an worship the sun god. That's lowercase g, the sun god, Shemesh. And the moon god as well, Yerach. And even though they weren't quite as central, and we don't, we don't hear about them as often as we do as uh, Baal and Ashtoret, uh, they were nonetheless uh, gods deities in the eyes of the Kena'anim. And in performing the miracle, Hashem, uh, by, by holding the sun in its place and the moon in its place, um, obviously meaning that the earth stops uh, revolving on its axis, so Hashem is demonstrating his superiority to the Canaanite gods. This is, has a similar educational value as did the Makot in Egypt. Specifically, and just the, 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 most, uh, the, the most obvious parallel here is Tamakas Choshech, the plague of darkness, which undermined the Egyptian god of the sun, which was the god Ra. Once we notice this, we will also note that during the military campaign in this Perek, Hashem assists the Bnei Israel by doing what? By raining down hail on the Canaanite ar- armies, which is obviously parallel, parallel to Makat Barad, and in both contexts reflects Hashem's superiority over the storm god, which in Kena'an was referred to as Baal, which I had just mentioned a moment before. And to further this echo, one more step, we are told in Yehoshua, a Pasuk that's kind of strange, uh, that Lo charatz Yisrael le'ish es lishono. No one wedded his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Meaning after the, these miraculous events took place, no, no person, no inhabitant of Canaan would dare open their mouth and say anything to or against, of course, the Bnei Yisrael. 
This Pasuk is a allusion, is a biblical allusion to a Pasuk that we find in Shemos. Right after, or really during, Makas Bechoros, during the plague of the firstborns, the Torah tells us, Ulechol b'nei Yisrael lo yecheratz kelev lishono. That a dog wouldn't even bark or wet its tongue uh, against the B'nai Yisrael. Even the dogs recognized that you know, you, le- you have to leave the B'nai Yisrael alone. They are afraid of the B'nai Yisrael. And that the language there, lo yecharatz kelev l'shono, and lo charatz l'b'nai Yisrael l'ish, es l'shono, is obviously uh, a-, a parallel here. And the language in these psukim are obviously meant to flag for us precisely the comparison uh, that we've just noted and uh, unpacked a little bit. And that's the, the, the link between the miraculous victory of the B'nai Yisrael in Canaan and the plagues that took place in Egypt, each a tremendous Kiddush Hashem, a display of God's power over the natural world. And as, as always, we find this amazing echo of something that happened earlier for the previous generation, now reoccurring, but in a very, very different context. But again, with the context different, the outcome is the same. It's this incredible display of divine power and God's absolute ownership and rule over all of nature and the world. That's it for today. Chazak ve'matz and happy learning.